0: temptation. Everyone battles it. Everyone goes through it. Even Jesus battled temptation. The difference between his temptation and our temptations is that he was victorious over temptation. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning as we continue our sermon series through Matthew, Mark, and Luke as we talk about stories we know stories from the gospel, stories about Jesus. Uh, we've looked at the birth of Christ, the birth of Jesus, and we've talked about the baptism of Jesus. And today, we continue in his amazing story as we talk about the temptation of Jesus. We're going to examine the story from a different perspective today. We're going to look at Luke's gospel. Typically, we'll hear the story from Matthew's gospel, but today we're going to look at it from Luke's gospel. And uh, we're going to look at the story, and then I've got three questions that I want to ask and I want to answer ...regarding the story of Jesus' temptation. So, grab a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 4. And we're going to pray, and then we'll get started. Luke chapter 4. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are grateful for this time to open your word today. We are thankful that we live in a country where we are free to gather... ...and we are free to uh, open the Bible, to talk about uh, important issues in our lives as they relate to you and as you relate to us. Pray now for this time together, that your Holy Spirit would fill this place, that your Holy Spirit would illumine the Word and uh, help us to, to discover the truth you have for us to learn today. Be with me as I deliver the message, and I pray that you would give me words to speak that I haven't even thought of yet, but Lord, you know that need to be said today. So we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'm not gonna, actually going to read through the text, but you can follow along as I tell the story. Jesus, after his baptism, was led by the Holy Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. That's what Matthew's gospel says. Luke's gospel, our passage for today, says that the Spirit led him into the desert, and he was tempted for 40 days by the de- by the devil. Now, we might think of temptation. When we hear the story of Jesus' temptation, we might think of the three temptations that we know of, uh, and we think about those, but... What the gospel tells us is that um, Jesus uh, was tempted for 40 days. It wasn't just three temptations. This was an ongoing thing. There was more to it than just three temptations. There was some serious wrestling going on in the desert time for Jesus. Now the Greek word translated as tempt literally means to test. In the Old Testament it was used of God testing Israel but he did not tempt them to sin. What is interesting to note uh, is that Uh, It's also used of the people of israel as they would tempt god as they would test god uh, That they would sin by testing god Um, it is What's amazing to me about the story is that the bible says that Jesus was led into the desert to be tempted by the devil or jesus was led by the spirit out into the to the wilderness to the desert It means it was god's will that this would happen. It was god's desire That jesus be tempted by the devil That's what God wanted. And and to me, that boggles the mind. Why would God want his son to be tempted by the devil? Why would he want this confrontation to occur? occur? Um, I like what the scholar I. Howard Marshall says. He wrote, What is intended by the devil as a means of defeating Jesus becomes, in the purpose of God, the occasion of his defeat. The occasion of the devil's defeat. Why did God lead Jesus into the desert to be tempted by the devil? So Jesus could beat Satan. So he could defeat him. Rock on. That's awesome. Well, let's talk about the temptations. First, Jesus is hungry. He has been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. He hasn't eaten anything. And the devil, uh, who has been tempting and harassing Jesus, says, If you're the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Now, he knew that Jesus was hungry and that he was probably pretty physically weak and when the devil says if you are the son of God that should probably be understood as since you are the son of God it's a conditional statement and in the Greek it literally means since you are the son of God in other words the devil does not doubt that Jesus is the son of God the devil knows that Jesus is the son of God that's not the point of this temptation The devil is trying to get Jesus to use his status as God's son to satisfy his own personal desires, to satisfy his own wants, his own hunger. He's saying, you're hungry. Now you're the son of God. Make some bread. End this silly fast and just care for yourself. It's what the devil's telling Jesus. Well, Jesus replies with scripture and he quotes Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3. In that passage, Moses tells Israel that uh, God led his people into hunger in the desert in order to feed them and in order to provide for them. Jesus understood that the purpose of this temptation was uh, he was being tempted to take matters into his own hands. He was being tempted uh, to sin by uh, taking care of his own desires and his own wants first. And he refuses to do it. He says, nope, man does not live by bread alone. Here's another interesting little tidbit. The first temptation in Scripture, what is it? Anybody know? What was the first temptation in Scripture? Garden of Eden. The devil tempted Eve to eat the fruit, which was you know, pleasing to the eye and, and good for food. And uh, what did she do? She gave in. She ate. Her and Adam both gave in. They ate the fruit they were not supposed to eat. The devil tempted them with food. And here at the outset of Jesus' ministry, what do we see just Jesus tempted with? food but what does he do you see he overcomes the temptation whereas adam and eve gave into temptation and they sinned by disobeying god jesus overcomes the food temptation he overcomes temptation he does not sin he trusts god to provide for his most basic of needs Next, the devil takes Jesus to a very high point, and he shows him kind of supernaturally all the kingdoms of the world. He promises to give all the power over these kingdoms to Jesus if he will bow down and worship the devil. Now, this is in a different order than we see the temptations in Matthew's gospel. In Luke's gospel, temptations 2 and 3 are flip-flopped compared to Matthew's account. But you see, Luke was making a different point in point than matthew was the order of the temptations is less important than the fact that they actually happened and the fact that jesus overcame them jesus in response to the devil's invitation to worship him quotes deuteronomy 6:13, worship the lord your god and serve him only he tempts jesus to use his power to satisfy himself and jesus refuses he tempts jesus with power and jesus refuses so the devil tries one more test one more temptation He takes Jesus to the highest point on the temple in Jerusalem and he tells Jesus to throw himself off the temple because scripture Which Jesus was so obviously fond of quoting Said that God would protect Jesus. He quoted Psalm 91 to Jesus and what does Jesus do in return? He quotes scripture right back to the devil He quoted Deuteronomy 6 16 Now in the first temptation in the Garden of Eden with Eve The devil twisted God's words. He twisted God's words To say something uh, that God never said and here the devil does the same thing He twists God's words to try to get Jesus to sin by putting God to the test Something that Israel did over and over and over again. They tested God on numerous occasions over and over again They put God to the test. Jesus won't do He refuses to do he will not sin by putting God to the test and by testing the promises of Scripture you see Jesus trusted God's word. He knew that God's word was true. And he didn't have to throw himself off the temple. He didn't have to wait and see if angels were going to catch him. In order to to know that God's word was true. And that's when the devil leaves Jesus. Until a more opportune time arose. So why did Luke flip-flop the temptations? You see this final temptation that the devil uh, tempts Jesus with. Takes place in Jerusalem. And Uh, Some think that Luke is drawing parallels to Jesus' greatest trial and his greatest test that also took place in Jerusalem during the final week of his life as he was crucified to take away the sins of the world. Now that makes sense. Luke seems to be pointing to Jerusalem a lot in his gospel. He mentions Jerusalem 31 times in his gospel. He points out the fact that Jesus was heading towards Jerusalem on more than one occasion. Over and over and over again, if you read Luke's Gospel, which, by the way, if you grab the summer reading program today, I'll talk a little bit more about that in just a minute, but if you grab today's summer reading program for the summer... Of 2009 you'll read through the Gospel of Luke and what you'll notice over and over again is that Luke is constantly pointing to Jerusalem Luke's always talking about how Jesus had resolutely set out for Jerusalem how Jesus had turned his eyes towards Jerusalem how Jesus was heading towards Jerusalem Luke has this idea in mind this concept in mind that Jesus was going to Jerusalem in order to die for the sins of the world that's what's in mind here is that he, he uses this last temptation, which took place in Jerusalem, to point to Jesus' greatest temptation, which was to give up the cross. Another temptation he refused to give into. So as far as the temptations are concerned, the ultimate one for Luke was what took place in Jerusalem, and Jesus' Jesus's refusal to put God to the test and God's word to the test. Now, let's talk about temptations in our lives. Uh-oh, time to get a little squirmy. We're going to talk about temptation. We're going to talk about sin. Time to get a little uncomfortable. Let me get my toe stomping shoes out. No, we're not going to do that. I got some questions I want to ask about temptation today. Three questions I want to ask regarding temptation in our lives. The first is, how are we tempted? Now, I don't need to go into a laundry list of temptations, I don't need to go into this long list of how we are tempted. That's not what I mean by how we are tempted. You know, I don't think I need to talk about greed. I don't need to talk about lust. I don't need to talk about pride. I don't need to talk about murder to parents of teenagers. Thank you. Rather than rather than focus on things like pornography, affairs, crushing debt, overeating, drinking to excess, and self-centeredness, I want to talk about the process of salvation. Uh, I'm sorry. That's completely the opposite thing I want to talk about I want to talk about the process of temptation James 1 13 through 15 says this when tempted no one should say God is tempting me for God cannot be tempted by evil Nor does he tempt anyone But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed Then after desire has conceived it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown gives birth to death Notice two things one we all have evil desires Every single one of us, we have evil desires. Each one by his, is dragged away by his own evil desires. It is those evil desires and those weaknesses that the enemy is aware of. Now, I don't want to give the enemy too much credit. I don't want to give the devil too much credit. Because see, the devil is not all-knowing. The devil is not all-powerful, and the devil is not everywhere all the time. Does the devil have minions working for him? Yes, he does. Does those minions, does the devil know our weaknesses? Yes, he does. The devil is aware of the fact that we have evil desires. The devil is aware of the fact that we uh, are temptable and contemptible from time to time. Uh, The devil has these minions working for him, these uh, demons working for him that do uh, test us, and they do lead us into temptation. They do uh, cause our evil, our, they know our weaknesses. But the devil's not all-powerful. The devil is not all-knowing. God is the only one all-powerful. God is the only one all-knowing. God is the only one omnipresent everywhere all the time. So don't give the devil too much credit. Remember, we have a part in this too, is what James is saying. We got a part in this whole temptation thing and that we, we do have evil desires. And we allow those evil desires to have their way with us, instead of letting God's spirit have its way with us. It is those evil desires that are used against us, and they lead us down the road into temptation. Two, we are all tempted, we are all tempted, but temptation does not equal sin. That's important to realize. It's important to know that temptation does not equal sin. If temptation equaled sin, then we would all be lost and hopeless. Why? Because Jesus was tempted, and Jesus never sinned. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet it was without sin. Did you hear what the author of Hebrews said? Jesus was tempted in every way. No matter what temptation you have faced, no matter what temptation you are facing, no matter what temptation you will face, Jesus has been there. The Bible says he's been tempted in every way, just as we are. Jesus knows the temptation of lust. He knows the temptation of greed. He knows the temptation of pride. He knows the temptations that we face. Yet he was without sin. He overcame those temptations. We'll talk about that in just a second. He did not give in. We we give into temptation and we sin but you know what we don't have to give into temptation the good news is that we can say no but how let's talk about that that's the next question i want to ask how can we overcome temptation 1 corinthians 10:13 says no temptation has seized you except what is common to man and god is faithful he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear but when you are tempted he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it just as the evil forces in the heavenly realms, are aware of our weaknesses, so is God. God is aware of our weaknesses. God knows our weaknesses, and he will protect us when we are tempted. He knows our limitations. He knows our weaknesses. He can and will protect us from temptation, but we have to remember to seek his protection when we are tempted. Scripture also says that he will provide a way out when we are tempted. The key to overcoming temptation is to find the way out. And too many times, we don't look for that way out, do we? J.C. Ryle, Bishop of Liverpool in the 1800s, said this, We are too apt to forget that temptation to sin will rarely present itself to us in its true colors, saying, I am your deadly enemy, and I want to ruin you forever in hell. Oh no, he says, sin comes to us like Judas with a kiss, like Joab with outstretched hand and flattering words. The forbidden fruit seemed good and desirable to Eve, yet it cast her out of Eden. Walking idly on his palace roof seemed harmless enough to David, yet it ended in adultery and murder. Sin rarely seems like sin at first beginnings. Let us then watch and pray, lest we fall into temptation. And that's the problem. Too often we are more than willing participants in sin, and we forget that there is a way out of temptation. We forget to pray, lead us not into temptation. Maybe the way out is doing what jesus did quoting scripture to the devil It's a great way to get your mind off of sin and onto righteousness Of course to do that. You've got to be able to quote the scriptures. You got to know what the bible says You got to read your bible If you want to know what the scriptures say You've got to read and study it if you're going to quote scripture to the enemy Now here's a great way to start reading scripture today is Father's day. It's the first day of summer june 21st. I think it's the first is today the first day of summer Okay Technically, it may not be, but you know Father's Day is typically the uh, normal day that we look at the beginning of summer. And uh, today starts our second annual summer reading program. There are Bible reading calendars available for you in the, in the foyer, in the Welcome Center. And so I encourage you on your way out, grab one of those calendars and start reading through the Bible. We're going to read through three books this summer, or four books, I'm sorry, four books. We're going to read through Luke, then we're going to read through Genesis, then we're going to read through First and Second Corinthians. And so you can grab one of those on your way out. It's just a chapter or two a day, and uh, you can take five minutes and get in the habit of reading your Bible every day. And it's a great way to do it. So. You know, it's, and it's not just a, a great habit, but it is a life-changing habit. It will literally change your life, and you'll be able to quote Scripture to the devil. Ha-ha! So we are tempted by our own evil desires, and we've got to look for the way out when we are tempted. But what happens when we fail? See, a lot of preachers will get up and they'll tell you, you've got to overcome temptation. We've got to deal with temptation. We've got we to you know, avoid sin, and, and, and that's great. They're absolutely right, and I'll tell you the same thing. We got to deal with temptation. Uh, we got to overcome temptation. We got to not give in to temptation. We got to avoid sin. We got to love God and hate sin, as my one of my favorite songs from the '80s says. We got to love God. We got to hate sin. But a lot of ministers won't talk about what happens when we fail. They'll drop a guilt trip on you, but they won't tell you how to overcome that. You know, we've all heard sermons on the importance of resisting the devil and temptation we've all heard sermons on temptation and about saying no but what happens when we fail I've heard it said that the devil will tell you two lies there are two lies the devil will tell you And you can tell me if this isn't true you can tell me if, if you don't believe this but the first lie the devil will tell you is just once won't hurt I mean you've heard that one before oh just once won't hurt and the second lie he'll tell you is now that you have ruined your life what would God possibly want with you. So you may as well just give up. Sound familiar? It's lies. Lies. I think that when we give in to temptation, and we do give in, and we do sin, there is a fear that is born in sin. Our fear is that God won't love us anymore. Our fears that God won't want anything to do with us. That we have ruined our lives. That we have messed up one too many times. That we have given in one too many times. That God is reaching the breaking point. As a father, I have learned something about myself. Today is Father's Day. I'll tell a little father story. I have learned something about myself as a father. And that is, I have a breaking point. I've heard no one too many times. From a two-year-old I have a breaking point the good news my Heavenly Father does not Amen. my Heavenly Father is a father of grace and love and mercy and do I fall short <laughs> you betcha do I sin absolutely does he forgive praise his name yes he does Praise his name. See, the devil's gonna lie to you. He's gonna tell you your life is ruined, you are worthless, God really doesn't love you, and those are those are lies. First John one nine says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We have to confess the fact that yes, we are sinners. And that we have sinned and that we need God's forgiveness. And the good news is the one who never sinned will forgive those who continually sin. And when we fall and we fail, Jesus picks us up. He wipes away our tears of shame and guilt. He forgives those secret sins that no one knows about and those public sins that everyone sees. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our sins. He's not shocked. He's not surprised. Lord, I sinned. What? Really? You, Sean, sinned? I had no idea. Like I said, God is all knowing. He knows my sin, He knows my weaknesses, He knows my need of forgiveness. And I got to come to Him and I got to tell Him, Lord, I have sinned, not for His sake, but for mine. I gotta recognize and understand the fact that yes, I am a sinner, and so do you. Now you don't have to realize that I'm a sinner. I mean you got pretty much know that. You gotta realize that you're a sinner. We gotta realize the fact that yes, we are sinners. We need to confess the fact that we are sinners. We need to confess our sins to God, and He is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. He loves you, He loves me, and He wants to forgive us. No matter how far you've fallen, no matter how you have failed, God wants to forgive you. The question is, will you come to Him? Will you turn to Him? Will you confess your sins? Will you receive His forgiveness? Just off the west coast of southern Australia was a research pen full of tuna, Held captive for study on feeding patterns. All was calm until a 13-foot, 1,500-pound great white shark decided to penetrate the pen and grab a bite to eat. The unwelcome guest is thought to have ventured by either biting through the net or jumping, jumping the seven and a half-foot electrified fence surrounding the pen. This is a 1,500-pound. Is a shark a fish? All right, it's a 1,500-pound fish, and it jumped a seven and a half-foot tall electric fence. Guess who's never going swimming in the ocean again? The villain swam happily in his newly conquered territory and ate a few tuna, but the sponsors of the study soon discovered him. The sponsors found that the tuna had adapted to the situation. A spokesman for the South Australian Research Development Institute said, when the shark swims to the surface, the tuna swim to the bottom of the net, and vice versa. I don't know how big a tuna's brain is, I don't know how smart tuna are, but that seems pretty smart to me. There's an important lesson there about temptation, my friends. When temptation comes calling, we got to run the other way. Does that make sense? That's the duh moment of the day. Because temptation can, and temptation will, kill your soul. We have got to say no. Do you remember the <laughs> remember the 80s? You don't remember the 80s. I remember the 80s. What was the campaign, the drug campaign, the anti-drug campaign? Just say no. That's what it's all about when it comes to temptation. And when we fail and we fall, and we will fail and we will fall, we have to confess our sins. And receive God's forgiveness. So where are you this morning regarding temptation? Are you fighting it? Or are you giving in? Are you winning the battle with temptation? Or are you losing? I'll leave all the Cubs jokes out. Who, <laughs> For a hundred years, anyway. Who is winning the battle with temptation? Now one of the secret weapons that we have. In the battle of temptation is the Word of God. Like I said today, today is a great day to start reading it. Grab a summer reading program on your way out today and start reading your Bible. And another weapon that we have is the Holy Spirit. We can rely on God's Spirit to help us overcome temptation as well. Because when it comes time for temptation, when the temptation comes calling, God says He'll provide a way out. And it's that Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit that says, let me show you the way out. Now, we offer an invitation here every Sunday, and one of the things we invite you to do is to be baptized. If you've never been baptized before by immersion, we invite you to come and be baptized. And one of the reasons that we're baptized is we're baptized for the forgiveness of our sins, as it says in the Bible, and we also receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we need the Holy Spirit. We need that Holy Spirit to show us the way out.